Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Aeronex Show, a podcast focused on the transformation of the shipping maritime and ocean space. My name's Craig Eason and I own and edit the Fathom World website. Today's show is focused on the efforts being made in the industry to develop the first engines capable of being powered by ammonia. Ammonia is being seen by some as a key fuel for international shipping to decarbonize. Its chemical composition, made of one nitrogen atom and three hydrogen atoms in each molecule, means that it's got no carbon that can be formed into carbon dioxide when it's burned in a marine engine, so CO2 emissions are zero. Now I know that there are arguments about how environmentally sound ammonia is. Today's ammonia is largely made from LNG and other hydrocarbons, so is grey ammonia, or at best blue. Green ammonia is that which is made using electricity from renewable resources. Regardless of the ammonia origin, it is the same molecule that is combusted to create power in an engine. But another issue is that of laughing gas. When ammonia is burned, it has the potential to produce laughing gas, or N2O. Laughing gas is also a greenhouse gas, and it's much worse than CO2. Man ES in Copenhagen has promised to have an ammonia two-stroke engine on the market by 2024. It also announced a recent project to develop a four-stroke engine. My guest on this episode is Brian Ostergaard Sorensen, who is head of two-stroke research in Copenhagen and responsible for the trials in the company's test facilities in the Danish capital. I spoke to him about a year ago when the company first announced an enlargement of those test facilities to accommodate increased interest in new fuels. So I caught up with him again to ask about what has happened over the last year since we spoke and what needs to happen for the industry to get an ammonia engine from man. Yeah, so <clears throat> so thanks a lot, uh, Craig, for, for, for inviting me back. Uh, and uh, and I'm actually happy to, to be here today and, and, and share some of the insights that has happened o- over the last um, over the last 12 months. So, so a lot of activity has go, has been going on in relation to the development of of our ammonia engine. Um, we have come quite far. Um, we have uh, established, you can say, uh, a number of uh, of initiatives together with other partners. We are working closely together with with fuel supply makers, with classification societies, with with universities in in the development. So, so while we have not had, you can say, uh, one of our two test engines in the research center Copenhagen running on ammonia yet, we have done a lot of the uh, initial preparations for this. So it is preparations in terms of understanding the, you can say, the fuel supply system characteristics. It is dealing with uh, with the safety and the health hazards that that ammonia as a fuel is posing, and some of the challenges we we see in the engine design around that. We have looked at the engine itself. What does it require in terms of materials? Um, what what do we need to change? Do we see any immediate challenges here? And of course, we have been looking at at the uh, you, you can say, but more from a theoretical angle on the combustion character characteristics and uh, and started to look into some of the automation algorithms, the performance metrics we will be using. Um, And then we have recently started uh, to look into the emission side as well. 
um, and, and and we are in a consortia uh, around that uh, to look at in case you have uh, certain types of emissions you need to deal with what what would that entail in terms of technical developments when you're looking at the fuel supply side of things to start at the beginning there in terms of yeah. the process of how things would go through the engine when, when you're looking at the fuel supply side ammonia would be supplied onto the ship as a liquid i believe yes um uh, what can you tell me about so far that you know so far about how you would then have that fed into a dual fuel engine what sort of temperature what sort of pressures and what sort of considerations would you need to have for that part of the process yeah, <clears throat> so we believe the storage, you can say, on board is easier than, than other types of fuels. So we believe it, it is well known to, to the industry. What we are looking at presently is a supply pressure around 80 bar or so in, in, in the system. And, and and we do not see any major challenges handling, you can say, it is being supplied to, to the engine. We, we have seen other do fuel type uh, uh, installations where we have dealt with, with these challenges. So from that perspective, we do not see major challenges for ammonia. Um, one thing I have to say, though, is that ammonia, of course, can be uh, corrosive and, and we need to handle that. And that is why the material part uh, needs, needs to, be, to be dealt with uh, quite carefully. So, so we have um, we have generated a, a fuel specification, which, uh, which which we believe will will be the right one for for our engines, and uh, and that is that is now available. And here, the one of the important parts is that there needs to be a little water in the in the ammonia for it it to be compatible with the, with the materials we currently have. So, so with the ammonia that you're talking about here, would it be the same? kind of ammonia that we're seeing supplied to other industries uh, is it the same ammonia or would it be a um, a bit like uh, marine fuels today would it be marine grade ammonia no it, it will look very much very much the same there could be something around uh, around purity uh, water content and so on uh, and that is why we have made this specification to to actually be able to um, to give quite uh, good guidance on this but it will not be significantly different from from what you see today so that i mean I'm not, I'm not asking you on the pricing side of things but there won't be that significant pricing difference between ammonia um, that is in society and ammonia that is in um, going to be used for marine use. <clears throat> no, we we don't we don't believe so. Uh, the, uh, you can say the ammonia available today, though, is is generated from fossil base, and uh, and and what we are talking about, of course, is uh, is green ammonia. Uh, but but from an engine uh, builder, engine designer point of view, uh, the molecule is the same. So whether it is fossil based or whether it is uh, coming from renewable energy, for our engine, it does not matter. But of course, it matters for for the overall. Uh, sustainability of the system you can say you mentioned you've looked at the, the kind of the theoretical um, side of the combustion in the engine which you yeah. get to construct in the uh, in your um, test center in Copenhagen what can you tell me about the the combustion cycle then um, of ammonia in these kind of engines 
Yeah, so so what we have we we have looked at, you can say um, the LTI uh, concept we are having. That is the liquid gas injection uh, platform we have in our engine program, and then we have looked at the characteristics around uh, around ammonia. You can say flame speed, uh, combust different combustion characteristics, um, and 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 what do we believe? the pilot fuel amount would be, um, what would the flame propagation speed be and so on. And I think that that has been important for us to to establish the, the starting set of parameters uh, once we start the single cylinder test. Then, of course, during those tests, uh, we will we will challenge the boundaries and, and we will we will continuously optimize the, the combustion. Um, yeah. One of the um, things with LNG, of course, is methane slip, and you've been addressing that with a number of different technologies, including ex exhaust gas recirculation and SCR, selective catalytic reduction. There are a number of ways that you've been working on um, NOx and methane slip and other things like that. What would happen with incomplete ammonia combustion? What do, what do you see as that um, after emissions part of the ammonia combustion. <clears throat> so, so we still believe we need some sort of after treatment system. So, an SCR would would be uh, would probably be a good choice. Uh, we need to deal with the NOx um, and 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 some of the active ingredients in in some uh, SCR. Uh, these selective catalytic reactors are actually ammonia, and we have that in abundance on board. So, the NOx needs to be dealt with, and we also believe in this way we can actually deal with the ammonia slip. The challenge will be if if we get uh, the generation of laughter gas, so N2O, which is a very potent greenhouse gas. So, so we do not want to end up with a solution where we have exchanged, you can say, CO2 as a greenhouse gas with another very potent greenhouse gas. So it's important for us that the, that the footprint, the envir environmental footprint, is 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 low, and that is why we need to deal with the with the N2O if that if that is formed. So <clears throat> our first option would be to to deal with it through the combustion process. And, and basically not generate uh, the laughter gas. If, if that turns out uh, not to be feasible, then we would need some sort of after treatment technology to deal with the, uh, with the laughter gas. That has been done before, uh, you, you can say on shore side. Uh, so it is not completely unknown technology, uh, but that, that of course needs to be adapted to a marine environment and, uh, and to the conditions we, we, have, we will have uh, as part of the engine, uh, engine system. A lot, a lot of the engines that you've been developing over the last five, ten years have all been notably dual fuel when it comes to alternative um, fuels, whether it's ethane, LNG, um, methanol. They're all, they all tend to be dual fuel. Why are you looking almost exclusively at dual fuel? Why not go for single fuel solutions that potentially could have higher efficiency? <clears throat> I think this is also you. You can say it is all a backup solution for for many ship owners. You can say, uh, let's say that here in the transition phase and for the next many years, you would not have ammonia available. Then you would be able to go back to 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 diesel oil, for example. Uh, so so it gives you more flexibility on the solution uh, on the dual fuel solution. Uh, that that is one of the reasons uh, we have developed this. Uh, you can say the dual fuel approach. 
And and the the option for dual fuel, you you mentioned diesel with um, ammonium here. Are we looking at simply two fuels? Are we looking at a multiple option here? Would an, a single engine be able to take two fuels, whichever ones the ship owner decides it wants to have as its options, or multi-fuel um, engine? So you've got three um, fuels that you could choose from. I think <clears throat> I think many people would like to have that option. Uh, I do not see this uh, as uh, as the first generation. <clears throat> this will be, you can say, uh, this will be either uh, you can say a, a diesel oil uh, mode or an ammonia mode. And and the reason being that uh, that that some of the, the the auxiliary systems would would be different. Uh, some of the pressures could be different. Maybe the lubrication oil uh, we are using on the engine would have to be different. And, and that is why it, it is not just the switch of a button that you can change from LNG, for example, to, to ammonia. What we are looking into is to modulize our engine design so, so we make a transition from one to the other as easy as possible in terms of, of rebuilding or retrofitting an engine. That is something we have, uh, we, we have an, uh, an eye for. So that gives an owner that confidence perhaps that there is um, a solution if they go down a particular avenue there is a solution that is more affordable than actually trying to take out a whole engine which of course is nigh on impossible um, on a large ship anyway yeah <clears throat> so so this future proving the engine is, is is one of our you can say one of the mantras we have in, in the design work making sure that that if you choose a conventional engine or a, or a different uh, second fuel engine today then it can be rebuilt uh, later on so <clears throat> so while we will have the uh, the first you can say ammonia engine design available in 24 we will also be focusing on having a retrofit solution uh, available approximately a year later in uh, in, in 25 uh, allowing for for rebuild and then there are certain preparations you can make and and I know a lot of people in the industry is looking into to this saying you know what what would have to be done both in terms of uh, of the engine that is our area but also in terms of tank capacity <clears throat> in terms of venting areas and so on so, so it goes beyond just the engine or the supply system for the engine. It actually you need to think in the the ship design basically uh, when you look ahead. Yeah, and the you mentioned the the test engine, your test <coughs> facility in Copenhagen, and uh, you you haven't built this um, ammonia um, engine yet, or you haven't converted the engine that you've got in, and and that's an important distinction. You're not building an engine from scratch here. In no. Copenhagen, are you? You've got two test centres, you've got two engines, and you effectively retrofit them um, to test capabilities on new fuels. And you've been doing that with the first engine, and it's only recently that you got the second engine in. The same process will um, be, uh, but you'll, you'll do the same process then yeah. as well. When do you see yourself starting to do the tests on ammonia in Copenhagen? Um, <clears throat> we uh, we plan to start on that uh, during next year, and and then we will do it uh, throughout twenty three.
so uh, so we will be starting uh, to run on on one cylinder uh, and and then you, you can say uh, test the characteristics on one cylinder and then uh, you move from there to the four cylinders so the complete engine and, and that is how we are normally doing you can say the development so a single cylinder will give us a lot of indications around combustion characteristics and so on and of course when you then go to the full engine then then you can really play uh, with with the with the control system and and look at the emissions and optimize the performance so so that is the the normal uh, development cycle which we have also used on on some of our other other uh, developments uh, like the MEGA we recently released and MEGI before that and so on how do you then take that engine design then and give it to your partners that build the engines i'm not sure if many people really know this but as a you know as a world-renowned marine engine maker you don't actually make most of the engines the two-stroke engines you have licensees that then make it make them for you around the world notably in china korea japan uh, where the major shipbuilding um, takes place how do you then take this new design for an ammonia engine and show it to them about how to build an ammonia engine to go into a brand new ship? So, so basically, we are taking the learnings from our from our test engine, from our test center, and then we build it into the to a design. Uh, during that phase, uh, when we are designing, you can say the the commercial engine. Then, uh, th- then we would, for example, team up with with different uh, te- technical uh, people from from the various licensees. We will make sure that we have the right uh, documentation, and 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 then you can say then then basically we we built the first commercial engine together, and that first commercial engine will actually go into a vessel. What we often do then, <clears throat> depending on, 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 on the magnitude of, of the innovations or the development, then there will be some R&D test time for the first prototype engine. That means that, that where, where you normally might test for a couple of weeks, then it could be we would be t- testing for, for, for a month or two months, optimizing, you can say, that design. Uh, but but due to the sheer size of, of these engines, it is simply not feasible to build one demonstration engine and and then have that one standing there. So we will be de- demonstrating, you can say, the concepts on our test engine, and then the commercial and en- first commercial engine will serve as uh, as a demonstrator, if you can call it like that. A lot of the initial evolution of um, ammonia and hydrogen and these alternative fuels are seen as happening around the coast. Um, a lot of smaller vessels, coastal vessels, um, and so on. And that's and they quite often use four-stroke engines. And uh, I know that this isn't your area of uh, research and expertise, but I just wanted to ask you about the other project that I saw announced recently from Man ES. Um, notably in Germany on four-stroke engines, because I see there was a marine element to that as well. What sort of project is that? What sort of project are you involved in there relating to the evolution of a four-stroke ammonia internal combustion engine? 
<clears throat> so we work very closely together with our colleagues uh, in in the four-stroke, uh, you, you can say, design area, and and we share uh, a lot of the the data. There are commonalities, and, and then there are things that are, that that are different. What we what we are discussing with them, and and what they are working on, is when you look at a ship, you have the main propulsion system, which is often for for the large uh, seagoing vessels, a two-stroke engine, and then you will have power generation engines, uh, gensets, uh, that would often be four-stroke engines. And I think many ship owners, if you want a really uh, zero-carbon vessel, you need both actually to be uh, to be to, to have the capability to to run on on a zero-carbon fuel. And and what our colleagues uh, in uh, in the four-stroke area is doing is that they are actually do- looking into, uh, you know, how can we adapt ammonia as a fuel on their platform. Um, and, and that is the work that they are going into now. They are they are looking into the initial um, area. What would it take for a four-stroke engine to to be adapted to burn um, ammonia? And then they are looking very much into uh, hydrogen as well. What would it take for for hydrogen to be burned on a four-stroke engine? And that is because uh, four-stroke engines are also used on the shore side for power generation, and not only on on on, on marine side. You can say. What what are the um, expectations here of using hydrogen um, in an internal combustion engine in marine environment? <clears throat> I think it, it's depending a little. Uh, you, you can say on who you ask. Uh, we we think uh, and and we know it's uh, it, it's it's for sure possible. We think the cost of of storage on board and handling it on board would be be quite high, and we see uh, ammonia as uh, as a hydrogen carrier, as an effective hydrogen carrier, basically, uh, which is easier to handle on board and is well known to to the um, is well known to the industry, and, and that is why we think that uh, that that for large vessels, uh, ammonia would probably be the preferred choice but you could see uh, coastal uh, vessels and and near shore shipping going for for hydrogen where you could bunker uh, more frequently than you would do on a, on a, on a, on, a, on a global trading vessel my guest for this episode of the Aeronax show Brian Ostergaard Sorensen head of two stroke research at Man Energy Solutions in Copenhagen well, that's it for this episode of the Aronex Show. Please spread the word about the podcast if you can, and also if you like the show, of course, and I hope you do. You can read much more about the evolution of ammonia and hydrogen on the Fathom World website, as well as other projects and efforts to transform and decarbonize shipping. And you can sign up for our irregular newsletter too. So until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>